Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, my name is Kath. For those of you who don't know me, I'm along with my husband, Tony, the leaders here at Victory Church. In fact, my hubby, Tony, is away. He's in Melbourne at the moment. He's preaching in uh, Life Church in Melbourne. It's one of Pastor Paul's campuses over there. And uh, he rang me this morning and asked if I would pass on his greetings. So hello, everybody. Tony says hi and uh, says, have a great morning. He says, be kind to the preacher. (laughs) He didn't say that. I'm just adding that in, please. Be kind to the preacher this morning. But um, I'm actually going to finish our series that we started, uh, God, Money and Me. We've done it over the last two weeks. This is, in fact, uh, part three, the last uh, instalment. And this series is based on actually Pastor Paul's book, God, Money and Me. And you'll find the book in the Resource Centre And I just want to encourage you, if you have yet to purchase this book, it's a great investment uh, for you in uh, the subjects that we've been covering, the content in which we've shared with you has been based on his curriculum. And it's just a great tool for us to provide the financial future that God has in mind for us. And so in our connect groups, we've been running through uh, the series there. And so we're just encouraging you, do yourself a favour pop into the Resource Centre, grab yourself a book, read it, and uh, you'll be blessed by the content in there and the great tools that will help you uh, set up the financial future that God has for you. Awesome. Well, this series has been all about uh, providing the financial future that God has for us. And uh, one of the things often in the church people would say is "All, all the church does is talk about money. And what we've been saying over this series is that's actually incorrect. The church talks about generosity, it talks about giving, but the church hasn't been intentional in terms of talking about uh, how we can uh, best handle our money and our finances. And so this series has been all about that. It's been about how we can get a financial pathway that we can understand what God says about money. Because we've, we've, because of just talking generosity, because of just talking giving, we tend to have a skewed idea of what it is. And so we've set about over these last two weeks and, and this morning to be able to present you with God's financial pathway so that we can have financial freedom and the financial freedom that God wants for each and every one of us. Tony spoke about money's spirit and he just said that when money touches our hands, it gains one of two spirits. It either gains God's spirit or it gains the enemy's spirit. And the way it gains the enemy's spirit is when we don't surrender our finances and our material world to God's control. And he said, in actual fact, anything we don't surrender has the ability to draw us away from the purposes of God and the plans that he has for us to do. And so this morning, I want to talk about our third part, which is money's pathway. All right. So our overarching um, scripture for this series has been 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. And it simply says this, and God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Again, 
God is able to bless you abundantly. Everybody say abundantly. So that in all things, say all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, every good work. God's promise is to us, to you and I, that we would lack nothing. In fact, that's a scripture from the NIV, but several um, translations of the Bible say that you would lack, you would have all sufficiency. And sufficiency by definition simply means this, that not uh, to live in a perfect state, not needing extra aid or support. Who here wants to live in all sufficiently? Live in a state where we have no need for extra aid or extra support. And the good news is, the Scripture says that, that is, God is able to do that for us. That we can live in a place where we can have everything we need. And not just everything we need, it says all that we need so that we can abound in every good work. This series is about us finding a financial pathway and financial freedom, not so that only we benefit, but that those behind us benefit. If we benefit through this, then those behind us also benefit. And um, I'm going to be very, very practical this morning, all right? Because I'm just going through the four ingredients that we're going to look at. I wanted to leave you with something. You think, you know what? That I can do. That I can take on. One thing, because I've understood that it's one thing to know the truth, but it's another thing to embrace it. So let's just take, for example, most of us here, if I said to you, if you want to lose weight, you need to watch what you eat and exercise. I don't think there's anyone in this congregation who say, oh, that's not true. Is there any brave soul in here who would say that's not true? Most of us know that that's, that's the truth. The trick is a lot of us want to lose weight, but we're not prepared to embrace the pathway, which is exercise and eat well. It's like, why can't I lose weight and live on Tim Tams or Krispy Kremes or pizza or whatever? It's like, no, we know the truth. The truth is if you want to lose weight, you need to exercise and you need to watch what you eat. And, but most of us struggle in embracing that pathway and it's exactly the same in our financial world. We know the truth. We know what it is we need to do, but we haven't embraced the pathway to do it. And this morning, I just want to share some keys that I believe if we embrace these, we would see freedom in our financial and material worlds. Tony has been using over these last two weeks the um, analogy of a banana cake. And so he's asked the question, how many know that there's more than just bananas in a banana cake? I mean, that was a revelation for me. I was like, well, I've never made a banana cake. I just, well, I don't make much at all, really, in the kitchen. And um, he just said that there's more than just bananas in a banana cake. And I know that to be true because this, more, uh, this week... I had a banana one morning for breakfast, which I enjoyed. I didn't mind my banana. And I came into the office and lo and behold, some of our congregation have been listening to what's been preached. And somebody brought in two banana cakes. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, I enjoyed my piece of banana cake, but it didn't taste like my banana. <laughs> I mean, I could taste the banana in it, but there was so much more in that cake than what, just, what is normally in my banana. And it's the same in our financial 
world. What A banana cake isn't just bananas. A banana cake is made up of specific ingredients placed in specific order, cooked at a specific, so they tell me, cooked at a specific temperature for a specific set amount of time to produce what we enjoyed eating. And it's the same with our financial world. There are some ingredients that we need to have in place, some ingredients and some things we need to do in specific order to set up a foundation for our financial freedom. And this morning... I want to be able to look at that when I talk about money's pathway. So the first ingredient is what we would call stewarding. And this is my little demonstration this morning. So we've got stewarding. Stewarding by definition is to be a good, faithful steward of something means to preserve and maintain, safeguard and protect and to generally take care of what has been entrusted to us. Stewardship in terms of Christianity is our tithe. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. See, tithing for us is all about resetting God's sovereignty over our money and our financial world. And simply put, God's sovereignty is God's control. So tithing is where we come and put God's control over our finances. And um, we do that where it says in that scripture in Proverbs 3, 9, when we put God first. Tithing is all about establishing lordship in our lives. And you may remember last week when Tony was talking about unsurrendered, he said the enemy's fight for your finances is because he wants the place of lordship in your life. That's why he attacks money. That's why we've got money myths. That's why the spirit of mammon can attach itself to our finances when it's not unsurrendered, when it's unsurrendered, because the enemy wants the place of lordship in your life. And the first ingredient of us being able to have be free financially is the ingredients of stewardship, which is our tithe, where we come and we surrender our finances to God and say, God, the first part, right from the beginning, right on the top, I give it to you. I put your sovereignty, your control over my finances. The first key is stewardship. And like I said, I remember... Um, we used to give our kids their pocket money in coins so that they could tithe off of it. And uh, many years ago, I think Mitch was about four, and we were in church one uh, morning and we were doing praise and worship. And then Mitchie had his 20 cents in his pocket that he was going to put later in when he went into kids' ministry, put it in the offering container. And so he was playing with it in his hands and I was just standing on the front row watching him and he was just playing. And I don't know what it is about boys, but whatever seems to find their way in their hands, it ultimately ends up in their mouth. So before you know it, Mitchie's put this 20 cent piece in his mouth. So I'm just curiously watching, thinking, okay, this is what's going to happen here. And he's obviously playing, he's, I don't know, maybe he's trying to stick it out on his tongue, do whatever, sing with it. But whatever he did, he obviously inhaled and the 20 cent piece went straight back into his throat. So I saw him kind of go like this and I watched and then before I could do anything, he just gagged and spewed the 20 cent piece out. So I'm watching all of this and this God spoke to me right then and there and he said, Kath, when you consume your tie that makes you sick, God, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's like, and here's what we do constantly is we're consuming our time. We think 
we can do way better with our 100% than God can do with our 90%. And God said to me, that picture was just a little kid playing. He wasn't, he was always going to put it in the offering. It may have been four days later if it had to (laughs) pass through, but that was always going. But God just spoke to me right then and then. He said, when you consume what's mine, it makes you stick. And we talk about how the pathway to financial freedom, the first key is stewardship. It's about our tithe, putting God first. Putting God first. Where we, um, when we put God first with our tithe, it determines what spirit, remember last week, spirit of God or spirit of the enemy, spirit of mammon, over our 90%. It's not what's left It's first, before we do anything, we say, God, I want to follow your plan. I want to have the right banana cake. I want to have the right uh, financial future for me. Then I've got to put his ingredients. The first ingredient is stewardship, putting him first. And you've got to remember, if you're sitting there thinking, well, that's not fair. But here's the truth for us. Everything we have is God's. The, The ability you had to make your money this week The gifts that you have, the talents that you have, what you've been employed for, they come from the hand of God. The air you breathe, the food that is grown, the sun that shines, the rain that comes, it's all from the hand of God. I remember it it reminds me of a joke. There was this scientist who um, challenged God on how to make man. He said, you know what, we're so clever. We've discovered this. We can make man out of dirt just like you can. So he challenged God to a man make-off. And so God rocks up on the day and, he, and the man says, okay, are you ready? And he's got two piles of dirt. And before the scientist can say, let's start, God looks down at him and says, hey, get your own dirt. That's how we have to approach this. We don't have the right to say, it's mine, I've entered. No, everything we have comes from the hand of God. And if we want to have financial freedom, then we have to understand the first ingredient is stewardship. A.W. Tozer says this, I don't think I exaggerate when I say that some of us put our offering in with triumphant bounce as much as to say, there God, you'll feel better now. I'm obliged to tell you that God does not need anything that we have. He does not need a dime of our money. It is your own spiritual warfare that is at stake in such matters as these. You have the right to keep it all to yourself if you wish, but know that rust and decay will ultimately ruin it. We have to remember that God and I can do more with our 90% than we can do with our 100%. The key to financial freedom, doing it God's way, is stewardship. And just a couple of things I want to just bring to our attention this morning, because I really want it to be practical. I want to arm you with some things that make sense when the struggle comes to outwork what you need to outwork to have your preferred financial future. The first thing is we don't pay our tithe. Like A.W. Tozer said, it's not like, oh, I'm doing you a favour, God. I don't pay our tithe. I bring what's God's back to Him. It's like when you go to the library. When you go to the library, you borrow a book. When I bring the book back, I'm not being generous. I don't expect to walk into the library and they've got a ticker tape parade and they're all thanking me, the librarians. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for bringing the book back. Though there's an expectation, I'll bring the book back because I've borrowed it. It's not mine. And it's the same with our tithe. I don't, it's not a generous offer on me. I'm not giving it to you, God. I'm bringing it back. Semantics, you may say, but not at all. It's, I, it's God's already. My responsibility in correct stewarding is to bring back to God what is already His. 
Secondly, we talk about it's not ours to bring back. We don't determine where it goes. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. The tithe comes back to the local storehouse. The local church, the play, if Victory Church is your home, it's where you're planted, it's where you're fed, it's where you're fellowship with, the connect groups of which you go, the care that you receive, the prayer that was received for you and over you, this is your local storehouse. The tithe comes here. We bring it back to God and His house. Billy Graham says this, the biggest sin in church is robbing God. If we don't tithe, we're not giving to God what is, what is His and we're actually carrying around a debt. It's only after the tithe we can make, then we can make an offering. So again, the tithe comes to the local storehouse. And maybe for those of you who are sitting here this morning say, well, yeah, but tithing's Old Testament. Well, you are correct, it is in the Old Testament, but it's also in the New Testament. Matthew 23 23 says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. You should have experienced the latter without neglecting the former. That scripture there, it says you should practice the latter without neglecting the former. The word should comes from the same word as must. And I'm not sure if you would know the story of Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious man in the time of Jesus. And he knew about Jesus. He was interested in Jesus. His culture told him he shouldn't believe in Jesus, but he was interested. So he went to Jesus one day at night and was quizzing him one day at night, one night to answer, uh, to ask Jesus some questions because he was interested. He, he's like, everything I've been taught, everything I know, but it's not, it's not sitting well with me. And Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. To understand me, to know me, to come into relationship with me, you must be born again. And church, I want to remind us, we never, as Christians, especially as Pentecostal Christians, ever question the fact that, yeah, that's right, you must be born again. We very rarely would have a discussion with someone saying, you know, what? now I question that, should he? But why then do we do the same when it comes to tithes and offerings? It's the same word that you should not neglect the latter and while you're doing the former, it's the same word as must. And so old tithing is not Old Testament, it's actually an eternal principle. The first ingredient to financial freedom is stewarding. It's when we take what we've been given and we surrender it by giving it back to God. The second ingredient, remember we're talking about what are the ingredients that are going to set us up for a financial, a financial pathway of freedom? The second ingredient is seeding. See, tithing is not seeding. Tithing, we've already discussed and discovered, is just returning back to God what is God's. Seeding is anything we give over and above our tithe. And seeding has to be done before harvesting. Now, if you think just naturally, you think of a farmer. If, if you knew of a farmer who didn't sow seed in the time of sowing and preparing his harvest, didn't sow the seed, 
and then went out when it was harvest time, loaded up his trailer, got his harvester out, went out to his field and then was disappointed that there was nothing to harvest, you and I would both look at him and say, you've been in the sun, standing in the sun too long. It's an obvious, is it not obvious? You think, well, if you didn't sow anything, you can't reap anything. But the problem is in the church, we apply that same principle. We're not sowing but we're expecting to reap. And you cannot reap where you haven't sown. If we're talking about financial freedom, the first ingredient is stewardship. The second ingredient is seeding. Galatians 6, 7 says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. If you're not seeding, why should you expect a harvest? And what I love about this is that this applies in every area of life, not just financially. If you're not sowing, how can you expect to be getting a harvest? You know, people will often say to me, oh, I'm struggling with friends, trying to make friends, trying to have friends. My first thing is always, where are you sowing friendship? Where are you being friendly? Oh, I don't find people are very kind to me. My question again, where are you sowing kindness? You reap what you sow. So you have to start sowing that. You start doing that. If you're wanting to see a harvest in an area, then start sowing that because a God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And so if you, I just find that harvesting is the, one of the only things that's actually within our control. See, 2016 for us, Prove that life happens and lots of things happen to you that are out of your control. But church, we have to understand seeding and harvest is within our control. So if you're sitting there saying, well, I don't receive this and I don't receive that, you have to understand the power is in you because harvest is in your control. So if I'm not harvesting, I've got to rewind the clock and say, what, what am I not doing beforehand? And what I'm not doing beforehand is seeding. Harvest is within our control. And what I love about God, I love the Scripture where He says He gives seed to the what? To the sower. He doesn't give seed to the contemplator. I'm thinking about doing this. So God gives me seed, I can do it. He doesn't give seed to the whiner or the whinger or the complainer. He doesn't give seed to those who are just consuming. The Scripture says He gives seed to the sower. Sowing is a verb. So in other words, you need to be doing it before you can be reaping it. If you're saying to me, but oh, I want, you know, when God gives me more, then I will. No, 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 let's turn it around. It's when I give with what I already have, then God. When I'm a sower, then God will give me seed. We have an opportunity coming up after Father's Day. We'll be launching our Heart for the House. If you've been here for many years, you'll know that every year we do a Heart for the House offering. It's where we gather together as a church and we say, how can we seed into the areas that which God's called us to do? The three main focuses here at Victory Church are kingdom, obviously we work that out, Kalawasi being one of them, the community and the many programs that we put on here, so playgroup, nurture, the Parry Hills High School, the Red Frog, all the things that we do in the community and then the things that we do here. How do we make this house a home? Not only the programs that run, but just upkeep and maintenance. Heart for the House, we do every year. Heart for the House is our opportunity of seeding. 
It's where we seed because we understand, you know what? If I sow in here, I'm going to reap a harvest. Whether it means I'm going to reap a harvest personally or as a church, we reap a harvest. That's what Heart for the House is all about. It's an opportunity for us to be the sowers and to invest in that. Seeding opens the door to harvest. The third ingredient for our financial future is saving. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Remember our scripture said, All sufficiency, but not just sufficiency for me and mine, but for those who come after me. If you want God's pathway to financial freedom, you want financial freedom, you want to find yourself in a position where you have all sufficiency for every good work, then saving is one of those ingredients that you need to make sure is outworked in your uh, world. We have a responsibility to set up those who come after us. You know, our son Mitch uh, purchased his first car this week. Had the opportunity, went down to the car yard, sorted it out, and he bought his first car. But Mitchie didn't just wake up on Thursday and say, right, I'm going to go and get a car. Two years ago, Mitchie got himself a job. And when he got his job, he said, you know what? I realise in two years' time, I will have been, I'll be 17, I'll be able to drive, I'll have my licence, I'll need a car to drive. So he set about making a plan of how he could make that happen. So he looked and he said, okay, that's two years. I think that this is a certain amount that I would need to make that a reality. So he set his uh, goal. This is what it will be. And then he backtracked and worked out what he would have to save between now and when he wanted to see that come to fruition. And then so that when it came to this Thursday, he was able to walk into a car yard, hand over the money and purchase the car because he had saved And it's part of the way of doing, we can't be living edge to edge, week to week. We've got to have opportunity. If we're talking about financial freedom now, then we have to include saving in our pathway. It's not only stewarding, it's not only seeding, but there needs to be saving. We're talking about how we can have a financial uh, freedom. And we need to commit to that third ingredient of saving, which leads me to the fourth ingredient, spending. And this is the ingredient most of us have the most experience in, (laughs) myself included, spending. Remember, we're talking about the ingredients necessary. I want to have all sufficiency so that I can abound in every good work. Then I need these four uh, ingredients. And spending, I don't just mean willy-nilly spending, spending everything I'm saying uh, decisive spending, spending that is within what I can do so that I can keep all four of these ingredients uh, before me. And so just a couple of keys. I remember I said I really wanted to be practical this morning. But how can we maintain our spending so that we can have these four ingredients? And I think the first one is we need to live within our means. Tomorrow's breakthrough requires today's restraint. And we've got to remember that, you know what, I want these four ingredients, I want to be stewarding, I want to be seeding, I want to be saving, then I need to be in control of my spending so I can do that. Because I can't have just spending, if I have just spending and not the other three, then I'm not, have, I don't have the ingredients necessary for the preferred, preferred financial future that God has prepared for me. Don't spend money 
on depreciating assets. Don't spend money you don't have. Make a budget and then stick to it. I know it's not rocket science. I know it's no grand idea for you this morning and you're like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Again, we understand the truth, but how many of us embrace the pathway? We're talking about how do we restrain our spending so we can have all four ingredients in working in our lives for our financial future. Get accountability partners. We need to recognise our deficiencies and others' strengths. And Tony mentioned last week when we went looking for cars for Mitch, we said to Mitch, don't take mum and dad. Tony picks a car on colour, I pick a car on look. Like, that looks sweet, that's cute, I like it. That's how I would pick a car. Tony would pick a car on colour. If it's black or red, done. And so we said to Mitch, you know what? You need to go with Uncle Mick because Uncle Mick actually knows a thing or two about engines. We, we would just go, yeah, okay, it's got an engine. Well, I think that's an engine. I don't even know what an engine looks like, really. I can't even find the battery in my car. Thank you, RAA. So I said to, to Mitch, you know what? You need to take Uncle Mick. Uncle Mick can do that. And then when Uncle Mick had given him three or four options and said this, then we said, then you take Uncle Andre because Uncle Andre, Uncle Andre will get you the best deal. It's about um, having accountability. People knowing my weaknesses and my strengths, they would tell me something and I'd go, oh, because I don't know anything about cars, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, sure. I'm like, no, get people who know. And it's the same with our financial world. Get some accountability partners. You set yourself a budget. If you don't know how to budget, find somebody who's good. Get them to come alongside. They can help you. And then you get accountability and say, actually, am I sticking to it? If Mitch hadn't stuck to his budget for the last two years, he wouldn't be celebrating getting a car this week. It's, it's all part and parcel. But part of that was, hey, Mitch, give me your ATM card. It's accountability partners. Hey, you want to make this happen? This is what you're doing. How can I help you? You know what? Here's your whatever we've decided you can spend weekly. I'll get it out. I'll give it to you. I'll keep the rest. And then that's it's accountability partners. Uh, keep to the plan. Another key on how we can uh, make better spending. Play the whole four quarters. I don't know if you remember, and I'm not sure if they're still like this, but the Crows went through this season where they'd had the third uh, quarter fade out. I don't know if they still do it, but there was a season where the Crows would play the first half, they'd go la-la in the third quarter and then come back in the fourth quarter. And it's a picture of how many of us do life too. We start, okay, I've got my budget, I've got my plan. We do the first half, but then we go AWOL in the third quarter. And we just got to understand, no, you know what? No time out, no thought third quarter fade out. This is the plan. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to stick to. We're talking about how do we restrict our spending so that we can have all four ingredients working in our life. Keep to the plan and then commit to finish. Galatians 6, 9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. You just got to, maybe you look at it and go, but my spending's out of control. I don't know where to start, so I won't start. No, start somewhere. Just go, you know what? Today's a day. I've understood this and I might not be able to get to this place right now, but I'm going to make a start. Set yourself up a two-year, a three-year, a five-year, a 10-year plan. Whatever, set up a plan and then stick to it. Commit to finish it. If God says, it, uh, word says it, I want to encourage you, stay with it. I'm going to invite the band to come back up this morning because I've got a little demonstration that I want to show you. The answer to our future is a mixture of right understanding and right response to the plan of stewarding, seeding, saving, 
and spending. And it's what Pastor Paul in his book calls the 10-10-10-70 principle. Now, what you need to know about us, Tony and myself especially here, we don't read things and just go, okay, let's just adopt that. We never preach experiments. But when I read this in the book, I went, wow, this is something that Tony and I have done for 23 years of leading Victory Church. It's something that our kids have done from probably the age of three when they started getting pocket money and they understood what to do about it. This principle... I'm not teaching it to you today because, oh, Pastor Paul de Jong put it in the book and it's good. I'm teaching it today because I've lived it for 23 years and my kids have lived it for 18, 16 and down years. And so what it is, is it's just saying that, how, if, let's just say I've got 200 Aussie dollars here. So I've got $200 in $20 notes. It's my wage for the week. And before you go, well, that's pretty pitiful. You know what? is probably more than some people ever get. So $200 is my wage for the week. If I want to follow the ingredients, the plan, the pathway that money has for me to have a financial freedom so that I can have all sufficiency, so that I can abound in every good work, this is what I need to do. From my $200, 10%, $20 is my tithe. It's my stewarding. I put it in my stewarding jar. Then I come along and I say, you know what, I understand the principle of seeding. I'm talking about how do I have, um, what's money's pathway, what's my freedom, financial freedom, then I need to seed. So I'm going to match my tithe, 10% seeding. And God, I put it aside and when it's heart for the house, when it's love offerings, when it's an opportunity to bless someone, I don't take it out of my tithe because that tithe belongs to God. That's God's, that's His, this I put in here and it's my seeding. It's when heart for the house and I've been asked to prayerfully consider what I can contribute. I've already set aside seeding. I've got something I can go to and say, out of my seed, I'm going to sow this. Then my recommendation is we match our seeding with our saving. I come and I put $20 in the saving jar. Our kids, like I said, we gave them their finances. I always gave them their pocket money and coins and I broke it up so that they had their 10% tithe that they would come every week and they would put in. They had a 10% offering that they would put in at church. Our older kids now, even now, contribute and always have since the beginning of Heart for the House. Our kids contribute out of their own income, their commitment to Heart for the House because it's an eternal principle. It's how they're setting themselves. You ask, how can Mitchy get himself a nice little car at the age of 17? A car better than I ever had at his age because he understood the principles, the ingredients needed. So we come and we put our saving and our kids used to put it in a piggy bank in their room and it's you don't touch. That's not your, that goes in there, that money cannot come out, that's your saving. And then the rest, which in this case is $140, goes into my spending. And that's what I live on. That's what I have that says, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. This is my budget. This is the parameters in which I live, my spending here so that I can contribute in those areas and I can have an abundance and all sufficiency for every good work. And possibly you're sitting there and saying, well, that's just impossible. And maybe it is for where you are right now, but can I encourage you with this? Our tithe never changes. Our tithe is always 10%. That's a biblical term. It's in the scripture. It means one tenth. 
is what a tithe means. So 10% of our total income, that is non-negotiable. That's why I labelled it earlier or laboured it earlier in the message. That's not negotiable. These, however, are. And I would encourage, I think a great principle, and we've lived it for 23 years, my kids have lived it, has been the 10, 10, 10, 70. But if you're here today and go, you know what, I don't think I can stretch that. Can I just encourage you? A step of faith might be, maybe you'll do your 10, 2, 2. So maybe your start is, you know what, I'm going to set aside 2%, which in this case would be $2 in my seeding, $2 in my saving, live on the rest. And then that's why I gave the keys about our spending. Maybe you need to make some adjustments. Again, you might not be able to do it straight away, but some adjustment to your spending so that you can come and say, God, you know what, I can't do 10, 10, 10 right now, but I can commit to 10, 2, 2, and then I'll reassess. I'll make some adjustments with my spending and maybe next year I could up it to five or the year after or a three-year plan or a five-year plan. And I keep reassessing till I get to the point of, 10, 10, 10, 70. And you know what? Like I said, tithe never changes. But the great thing about God and the challenge is, who knows, you can always decrease spending and increase seeding and saving. The power is within us. We're talking this morning about financial freedom. We're talking about having all sufficiency not just for me, but for to do everything that God is calling me to do. This series has been about creating a pathway to financial freedom. And it's about the four ingredients necessary here so that we can have that at our disposal. It takes four ingredients that we need to commit to. Stewarding, which releases God's sovereignty. Please remember You and God can do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100%. Learn from Mitchie's mistake. If you consume your tithe, it will make you sick. Secondly, seeding is about creating harvest. It's about God giving seed to the sower. I'm creating harvest. I, it's the one thing I definitely can control in 2017 and 2018 is my harvest. And I control it by my seeding. Thirdly, the third ingredient is saving and saving empowers the next generation. You've heard us say that the mantra over our house is I'm blessed by God to be a blessing to others. Well, if you're not saving, you can't be a blessing to others because you've got no reserve or nothing to draw from. I want to set my kids up. My kid, like I said, Mitchie and Geordie have got better cars than I ever had at their age and even in fact ever had because we're about setting up the next generation. And my prayer and work with them is when they've got kids and how their kids and what they can do. It's about uh, setting up the next generation, empowering future generations and spending, if we get this ingredient right, it secures an everyday peace. Money is one of the major causes of divorce in our country, in the countries of the world. Money, one of the major causes of um, Fear, one of the major causes of um, panic, all sorts of things that people, it's the money, the peace that's not there because of mismanaged money. If we can manage our money better and by our spending, managing our spending, then we can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. If you manage your money, your money won't manage you. And remember our scripture says, God is able. 
God's not the one here who is restricted in getting things to us. If we're finding that we're lacking in sufficiency, it's not God's problem because He is able. That's what the Scripture tells me. It means that I have not adopted the ingredients necessary, the principles needed to secure my financial freedom for me, but more importantly, for those after me. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 